to a new episode of the Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. Uh, tonight we have Joe Stabnick from the New York band New York Junk. Okay, uh, Joe's been around for a long time. He's had some great bands over the years. Uh, he is involved with the Johnny Thunders tribute show, which is going to be this Friday, the 23rd of April. Um, starting at 8 p.m., and you could see it on Twitch TV. We will put the link up for that so everybody can check it out. Uh, right, they're just, also showing it on Facebook Live, too, I yes, think. Yes, right, Facebook right. Live as well. Uh, check that out, and we'll have the links up for that. So I'd like to welcome Joe Stabnick. How you doing? I'm doing good. So what are we okay. going on? What do we okay. got? Okay, so... Uh, this this show is the uh, 30th anniversary of the passing of, of, of Johnny. And uh, first of all, it's hard to believe it's been 30 fucking years already. I mean, it's like flew by, you know. So yeah. I know you have you have a wonderful band that you've been playing with for a while called New York Junk. And uh, I've seen your band. And it's great. And I could, you know, hear a little Johnny in there. Uh, when did Johnny stop being an influence? Well, the- the, first of all, the Dolls were just one of the great bands that ever came out of New York City. And Agreed. They had it all. And and then when we started playing in New York, uh, we, uh, multiple bl- bands that I was in or associated with back in 74 and 5, we were always looking for an original place to play where they want a place that played original music. So CBGB's was our, our place. And through that, you know, the Heartbreakers were playing there. So, of course, you know, they were the king of the street, Heartbreakers, sure. you know, and, and Johnny and the, the band was just, they were great. They were great and the songs were great and he could play and he had style and this and that. So how could you not be influenced and having been in New York at that time? So it was just it was one of those things that <laughs> how could you not be? And anybody now, who played guitar, you know, it was like, wow, we got our own Keith Richards here right in front of us every night when we want wow. to, because he was, he was, he was accessible. You know, it wasn't like some rock stars you get to see once a year or you'd see him all the time when he was in New York. So you, you got to see him up and close up close and really got a whole thing of it. And then later we became friends. So, Great, that's great. I've always that's... referred to Johnny as like Keith Richards on steroids. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, with, with, with his, you know, with the look, at least in the dolls, you know, with his hair teased out, and and I always thought that was kind of a cool an, an analogy. Oh yeah, that 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 he got from his sister, <laughs> Marianne. <laughs> yeah. Marianne, yeah, the yeah. teased hair and all that stuff, and that's. You know, exactly. But Johnny was his own guitar player. Nobody played like him. Nobody no. can play like him. Uh, nobody will play like him because you could take, as Walter said, you could take his guitar and his amp and pick it up and play. You're not going to sound like him. Nobody will because he had it. He had it. Well, so, he had a few you know. techniques, right? Uh, I remember Joey Pinter talking about that. A few techniques that really kind of the way he tuned his guitar and stuff and or maybe kept it out of tune, I should say. You know. Well, I t- think t- he did a little bit, yeah. But he tuned yeah. it to his ear. He knew exactly what he was tuning to. So right. I think when when he played a lot, if if he, you know, I I won't say I know exactly that he played it, you know, tuned it out of tune. But if you listen to what he plays, 
he's always bending notes to get where he wants. So it's not like just hitting a note on the string saying, well, this is the, you know, the fifth fret, it's an A note. No, he was bending that note to get where he wanted. That's why nobody's going to play like him because he's playing major scales that are sound out of tune, but they're in tune, but they're major scales. And it's just him. It's, it's pretty amazing stuff. I hear you. you it's, it's cool that you mentioned bending. Uh, there's a, there's a, I don't know if you ever saw the documentary called Hey, Hey, Is Didi Home? You ever see that? With, uh, no, Didi I didn't. Ramon? No, it I, was, I uh, haven't. Uh, you remember the director, Lech Kowalski? He did the... Sure, Lech. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. did the Thunders movie and everything. Yeah. Well, he yeah. had interviewed Didi for that Born to Lose movie. And okay. there was a lot of outtakes with Didi that he didn't yeah. use. So he made his own little... And there's a great part of that documentary where Didi mentions, you know, like Johnny, you know, he said he, when he heard him play, he was blown away. He said, because he could bend, he could bend those strings and, and to the way he wanted. And oh, it, almost what you just said. And, and uh, he said he, he was just in awe of it and that he wanted to, you know, play in a band like that, you know? So well, that's true because when uh, Didi quit the Ramones, uh, I, did half an out. Well, we were doing an album together. We had gotten together. Somebody called me up and said, you come and see Didi. And mm -hmm. we started working on a record and he did want to be like the heartbreakers. He was tired of wearing a suit bowl haircut and, right. uh, you know, wearing a leather jacket and the guy had style. He was really smart. He was mm -hmm. really articulate but he got typecast as, you know, I want to sniff some glue and some other stuff. Yeah. Not that he went that, yeah. yeah. Not that, yeah. that it wasn't part of what he was, but there was also a whole lot more to that guy. So, yeah. you know, we and, went on and, to write a whole was... bunch of songs. Yeah, we did, which were outside of the Ramones. Like Didi and I wrote Poison Heart, contrary to what anybody says in a bunch of other songs. I, I've heard that, um, of that story. Yeah, that's a little crazy. Yeah. And, well, it's it's the truth. And mm -hmm. uh, but that was showing you where he was coming from. It wasn't all about, uh, you know, the the crazy quick pop tune, you know, uh, what, you know, you know, I want to sniff glue and whatever that. Right. 53rd right. And typical, third. typical. The guy was. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. The guy had a broken heart. He had a soul, you know, yeah. as hard as it was, but fine. But th that was there and that was he, what he was trying to do. And uh, uh, so that well, that goes for that. Just like how, like you're talking about, you know, I was kind of misunderstood. I, I think Johnny Thunders was misunderstood in a lot of ways, too. Uh, and I'm sure you'll agree, because I think that whole image of him, I think so many, I didn't know him personally, so I can't speak from my own knowledge. I did see him live several times, but I, I didn't know him personally. But people I know that have, they, they just said what a, what a nice, good guy he was. And that didn't always come across in the music. Well, the John, nobody knows every side of everybody. Johnny had multiple sides. Sure. There were good things and there were bad things. But he was himself. He never really tried to be anything other than himself. Right. And he was charismatic, seductive, sweet as can be. But he also could be nasty. So it's like there's a lot of, you know, but that was him on stage. And off stage, you know, he was a pussycat and then he could also yeah. be not a pussycat so you know his image as far as i'll say he lived the life that he wanted to live 
Uh, he didn't let anybody push him around as much as you get pushed around in the music business. He had his faults. Right. And he had his attributes and he lived and died by it. He was genuine, right? Wouldn't you agree? hundred percent. hundred percent. What you saw was what you got, basically. Yeah. And the thing is, is you either hung around for the, you know, when the good parts turned bad and if you hung around, you got burned. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't, if you, if you left, you'd be all right. But if you hung around, you got burned and there's a lot of wreckage left on the street. Wow. But that was Johnny. No, and everybody went there with eyes open. So, you know. You had to, I guess, because you never knew what you were going to expect to, to see or have, have happened sometimes. Hey, Mike, yeah. you remember the interview we did, we did with Joey? And Joey just told us, yeah, I just copied Johnny Thunders. Like, he like, pretty much said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember that. When we interviewed him last year, I mean, Johnny you know, influenced Joey a hell of a lot. We're talking about Joey Pinter from the Waldo. Oh, sure. And he yeah. influenced a lot of people who, who, who wouldn't want to be what he, he that I'll give you like an idea. This guy, no matter what he did, he looked good. Right. Right. So, so he could, uh, he used to stay on uh, late street with uh, uh, the German guy, uh, Christopher. So I used to go over there all the time. And one night before a show, you know, we're getting ready, you know, I'm hanging out and he's getting dressed and he has like a box and a bag of clothes. And somebody else said a similar story. I forget who it was, mm -hmm. but he had a box and a bag of clothes. And it looked like a pile of garbage, you know, like, <laughs> really, <laughs> but it was all his stuff. And he'd be in there. Things were flying around up in the air, spinning around. And he'd come out and he looked like the greatest yeah. rock star you ever saw. He'd look at himself and then he went back in. There. He's not saying anything. And he's just, you know, moving back and forth. He'd come out 15 minutes later, look great again. Went in, Amazing. didn't like it for some reason. He'd go back in there and he'd come and he always looked great. He always had a sense of style. Yeah. He knew how to dress. He knew how to look the part. He knew how to comb his hair. He knew how to cut his hair. And and he gives uh, Gail a lot of credit for that, uh, how he learned to to dress. Wow. I forget what her last name is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think I think I know who you're talking about. And and yeah. Chris, Chris, Christopher was Christopher Gerke, like his manager, right? You would at the time, yeah, the time, and his mentor, yeah. and and saved him, and basically, yeah. you know, put him up wow. and uh, tried to make it happen for him. But Johnny was never going to live anything other than in his own world, and he had the talent to get what he wanted, and he had the notoriety. Now, did it always work out the best for him? No, at the end, he was trying to do it the right way, and he was really successful at the end, on his own terms. On his so own as terms, you, right. As a musician, you can't say more than that. This guy did it his own way. It's like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. And, yeah, and Johnny did, did it his way. way. Yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Now, let me, let me ask you, are you more of a, a Heartbreakers fan or a Dolls fan? What do, you, what do you prefer? Oh, I think they're both different bands, and they both had uh, great players in it. Everyone in the Dolls was great, and David is still great. Great, right. David is a fantastic musician and artist. 
He can sing. He's deep. He knows everything. He was a little bit more wanting to see succeed on a different level. But all the other players in the band, first-rate players, nobody, they had soul. They had more soul than you could shake a stick at. They could play. And same with the Heartbreakers. The original Heartbreakers with uh, Richard Hell and Walter and uh, right. Jerry Nolan, nobody could play drums better than Jerry Nolan. The guy was serious drummer. He could keep four different uh, time at the same time. The guy could That's play. True. That's true. Walter, he even, Walt, yeah, go ahead. He even gave Peter Chris lessons, I was going to say. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, he, he was an amazing drummer. And you can't mention Johnny without mentioning Jerry as well. But go ahead. Yeah. And then Walter could sing and Walter could play. But Walter had a great voice. Right. He did. He did. Absolutely. He, he had he had a phenomenal voice. Uh, Richard Hell wrote great songs and he could yeah. sing, you know, yeah. and he was a great, you know, he had the right. So when all those four guys got together, that was some band. That was really some band. So for me, basically the dolls were, you know, not around long enough to be the thing that really, you know, we hung around, you know, to see because the, the heartbreakers were there. So that that basically answers that. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Johnny, you know, pretty much, you know, left the dolls and started the heartbreakers one, two, three. There wasn't much of a, any downtime right there. Him and Jerry got no. right back on their feet no. and started got hell got hell and eventually Walter Law. Yeah, uh, and then, but yeah. but to, to to follow up on that, the most prolific part of Thunder's career was his solo stuff. Yeah. And if you listen to all those records, you see what a great songwriter he was. That's when he really came into his own writing songs. Because in those other bands, he was sharing with a bunch of creative guys. When he went solo, he wrote all that stuff. Well, most of it himself. He, he, he wrote. And he could sing. And he had the soul. He had the feeling. He could, and he could make something out of nothing happen where you say, oh, that's, that's, that's Johnny. That's John, you know. So yeah, he, yeah, he I mean, really uh, had, I mean, go ahead. A, a track like In Cold Blood, for instance, I don't think yeah. anybody could have written that song but Johnny Thunders. I, oh, I, yeah. Who, who, who could have pulled that out of their brain, you know, but, no, no. <laughs> but Johnny? He was insightful. He had his ear to the street and he knew it all because he, he spent a lot of time on the street. Yeah. So he, he, he knew it. He was it was real for him. The guy right. could go anywhere. And mm -hmm. he could survive anywhere. And he was always optimistic. Question. Uh, if sure. he was alive today, Joe, what, what, yeah. What, what, what do you think he would be doing? You think he'd still be playing? Or what, where do you think his music would have gone, you know, had, had he survived? Well, uh, this is the night before he left for Berlin to go to New Orleans because he was in New York. He was here. He was going to New Orleans to start playing the blues. Right. 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 So he, we were up all night. He, I, I, I'll could get into the guitar story and maybe I'll, because I played, you know, Brooke asked me to play a song with a guitar. So okay. I brought out the three thirty, which is the guitar he wanted to trade the night oh, before wow. he was going to New Orleans and this will go back even further in in the, the first Christmas festival at CBGB's. I played with a band there and uh, 
we opened up for the Heartbreakers. This is with Richard Hell and uh, and I was playing this ES330, which was the first guitar that I had, and he was playing his juniors. And he saw the guitar and remembered the guitar. He didn't remember me, he remembered the guitar. But I asked him, can I borrow your amp? He said, sure. And it was one of those, uh, uh, what do you call it? Ampeg uh, V2s or 4s or something like that. Right. But anyway, that's the guitar he wanted to take with him to New Orleans because he wanted to trade the the broken junior with, you know, because I had the, that guitar for a long time. He wanted me to fix it. I was just getting around to, you know, I wasn't going to fix it because it should have stayed the way it was. It was incredible looking end to <laughs> that guitar. <laughs> um, sure. But anyway, he wanted to trade. I didn't want to, that was my first guitar. I wasn't going to give it up. And then he left me the guitar and, you know, I gave it back to his mother like a schmo. <laughs> oh, wow. 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 But anyway, but anyway, getting back to Johnny, he wanted to go and play the blues. He he was tired of playing all the heartbreaker stuff and being known for that stuff. And he wanted to play something in a, in a you know, that reflected his life in a different way. You know, he wanted to go down there and do the blues. And that's what he was doing. He right. was on his way and on fortunately tragedy hit yeah it's true it's true 30 years ago wow 30 years ago yeah 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 but i you know i i remember the the you know released later on that you know demos he had from that those final year or two of his life and his music had evolved uh it seemed it, it you know he got like a little socially conscious he songs like help the homeless and children of people sure. too sure uh, but there was there was an evolution to his music. I mean, I remember when I first heard that uh, that Sticks and Stones compilation. I think it was called, and uh, it was it was that it, that stuff's come out in various forms over the years. But I think it was the Sticks and Stones compilation that was the first one that put that stuff out. And uh, I remember listening to like you know help the homeless children of people too, and 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 how. Heath was being used as the, the saxophonist and, and the music. Oh, was, great it, was, it was a dip, great guy. Yeah, he, he, yeah very uh, sorely missed too. He's He's been gone for a long time now, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I remember hearing that music and, you know, being a huge Thunders fan and going like, wow, he's going in a different direction now. Okay, he's, 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 this music is like, you know, and it was a demo and it sounded fucking great. Okay, I could imagine what it sounded like had he, had he really put it out. Um, well, talking about that is one night him and uh, Stevie Classen came over to the house and we were down playing, mm -hmm. messing around. So uh, I had showed him this blues song that I was working on and, it, you know, as much as blues that I could play but it was a song called walk my dog <laughs> sounds like it a ended up, song <laughs> yeah and it ended up on uh uh bootlegging the bootleggers oh records. okay oh. yes 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 yeah yes. well well that's my song but he that was johnny <laughs> oh shit i didn't realize that wow <laughs> no no of course i didn't get credit for it story of my life but that's all right for johnny taking it and doing it not a problem because he was my steals your song it's okay yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, that, that's a great collect compilation okay for for, for the listeners yeah. out there that don't know bootlegging the bootleg is is a, a compilation of live tracks taken from different bootlegs 
Okay, and Johnny was bootlegged like crazy. Okay, all the time. All yeah. the time. I mean, you. I remember just walking in the you know in the eighties, walking into Bleak of Bob's and looking at the next one that was. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he he got bootlegged like crazy, so he had this idea. I don't know if it was his idea or if someone told him to do it, but he had an idea. Hey, you know, I'm going to take the bootleg stuff and put it out myself, and I'm going to bootleg the bootleggers. And that's, that's exactly. Good. And there's, there's there's a line in, like he talks in between. There's dialogue in between the live tracks where he's like yeah. just talking about the songs. And and he's, he says that. He says, fuck you, I'm going to bootleg the bootleggers. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's funny. That's it's great. To a that's yep. it. And, but, but it shows you, if you listen to that track on record, how great they could play the blues. And Johnny, when he wanted, the, the night we were doing this song, that guy could play the blues. And you yeah. want a, a serious blues player. The guy knew what he was doing. He wasn't, you know, playing the heartbreaker riffs. He was playing the blues, you know. And by the way, that's on the current New York Junk record. We did a, a version of that on our current album called Dreaming, okay, um, which is out on Tar Beach Records um, right. and up on all the – you can stream it or Spotify it, whatever it is. But anyway, we did a version of that song, you know, so I figured, you know, it was time. <laughs> After all these years, steal it back, right? Hey guys, well, yeah. hey guys, you know what? You know what I can see? I can see myself just going to somewhere in the uh, French Quarter, going to a cafe, and it'll be like an old Johnny Thunder just playing some blues, and you're looking at who the hell is this guy? Because yeah, that's what he probably would have been doing. That probably would have been him now, just hanging out there playing in places, so just playing the blues. Oh, he, he would. Johnny would have been a big star. He would have survived because. Oh yeah, he 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 just had it, and he would have been recognized. I mean, if he survived long enough, which he was, because he was making money and he was doing playing all over the place. But he was sick, and he knew he was sick. Yeah. He had he had cancer, right? You know, so like he knew leukemia, he was right? Yeah, I believe that's what it was. So he Supposedly. knew, yeah. So he wasn't changing his his lifestyle at the end. Because he knew it wasn't going to make a difference. So he just went out the way he came in. But uh, had he not had that problem, he would have been quite successful. Because yes, he he could always re- not reinvent himself. He could always write. And he always had that charisma. And he always had the style. And he, he probably would have been a movie star. Because the guy <laughs> looked great. The camera loved his face. You know, and and I, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the couple of little cameo things he did in his life, uh, you know, little independent features and little parts that he had, uh, he he did have kind of a knack for acting. It really, you know, he never had a big role, but but the little you were kind of like, like, at least I was, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, he 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 could act. That's true. He might have been a star. Now, speaking of movies, I I mean, did you did you did you see? The was it room thirty seven? Did you see that? No, I haven't seen it yet. No, Don't that bother. one I haven't seen. Well, Don't you know, bother. I, I, okay, I, all right. No, I'm just, I, I have to, I have to crap on it for a second, okay? And I, you know, okay, because it's just like, I remember when it was coming out, and they, they were, I think they were crowdfunding it. You know, they were going online and asking for money for it or something. I remember hearing about it being like. Okay, how are they going to tell this story? Because it 
you know, no one knows what happened. Okay. So how no. are they going to do this? But then they, you know, they, they come out with this film, which is about the last couple of days of his life in New Orleans. The guy they had playing him, his name escapes me at the moment, wasn't that bad. Kind of resembled him a little. But yeah. the story was so stupid. And like, it played like a horror movie. All right. It was like, it was like a zombie movie. There were like scenes with like, zombies walking around like he was hallucinating and stuff and i just you know i sat there and, and, and i'm such an idiot i actually watched the movie twice just to realize yeah. how bad it was okay just to get it through my head like no that's a piece of shit you know <laughs> but but on a good note i will say that danny garcia did a very good documentary on you know looking for Johnny Thunders. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah, was, yeah. Oh, yeah. We we With had that, him I, on. Uh, we had him on about maybe six months ago. Uh, he was during the, the during the pandemic. He was down in right. in, uh, in uh, Brazil, <clears throat> and he's uh, he's working on a on a new movie about Max's. Okay. Yeah, he's doing the new Max's movie, which yeah. is uh, should be pretty good because he had done one on Stiv. And he that had gotten so much. Too. Yeah, was, he he had gotten so much footage on Max's that why not? And listen, I'm glad he's doing it because that story needs to be told from our point of view. From that's why I don't knock any of these movies that came out about anybody from that time period because I like the 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 music. It, it it's it it's finally getting a little play in the you know because it is the most important musical uh, thing that happened up until rap music and, and, you know, uh, urban kind of yeah. dance music that happened in what was, I get the late eighties and early nineties that basically, you know, took over the mainstream music for a while. Right. So, but the, if you look at the, the, the styles, the dress, the sound, New York city, everybody look, you know, if you go back to CBGB's and Max's in, in 75, you know, there were probably 200 people that look like all of New York city now. Everybody looks like that now, but yeah. back then it was it was only a yeah. small group of people that were doing that. So while the uh, fashion industry took on everything, you know, I'm happy to see, you know, movies no matter how per, uh, inauthentic they seem to people who were there. At least they're telling the story and playing the music. So that's my well, way of I, looking I, at I, it. I kind of, I, I pretty much agree with you 100 uh, percent in the sense that, like even the CBGB's movie, which you know was panned, okay, by a lot of people, including people that were in the scene. I felt that yeah, okay, it's not a great movie. Alan Rickman, I thought was pretty good as Hilly because I knew Hilly a little bit and I knew, yeah. you know, he had his mannerisms down pretty good and and it was what i liked about it was that the fact they even made the movie okay yeah the fact that it's even being discussed in a mainstream kind of way because the story needs to be told like you said so yeah that's right I definitely and, agree. And, 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 yeah I, I liked it even though well, i was there for five nights a week for five years you know it it it's never going to be what the true story is because you can't you know, all these stories are unique to each person that soared from their own point of view. There is yeah. no real, you know, one story. It's it's story of a, yeah. a couple of hundred different people making right. that scene. Everybody's happen. got a different point of view. Absolutely. Good That's point. right. But yeah. the music, the music is the music. And it was a great 
great time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you guys I, know, do you guys know that I think they're making a movie about the Sex Pistols, are they? Really? Uh, well, that I don't know about. I didn't hear that. Yeah, there was there was something about that. This, there, somebody's doing like a Sex Pistol music, and I mean a, a movie, and they were just doing casting. Like it's going to be like a big, big movie that's coming. Out, I think either um. 2023 or 2024 you guys can look it up it's crazy but they I'll are check doing... I'll check that out I didn't even hear about well, that. I know they're making they're making something about Joey Ramon that's the latest news that, that Yeah but they they doing they're doing a sex pistol one too I think somebody's doing it might be independent but they they were uh, casting mm-hmm. people to like yeah. be in the crowd and stuff like that okay. you know That would be a good movie if they do it right absolutely Yeah absolutely. Man, I loved I love that that first record but that also killed the record industry from picking up on music from New York City, quote, which was called punk, because right. when they went on tour, the they basically imploded, you know, <laughs> imploded. And then the record industry said, what, what do we what do we want this stuff for? You know, we're yeah, not making yeah. any money. There, there, there the record neg- industry is about making money. There money. If you don't make money. There was a negativity yeah. about a lot of the British bands and most most mostly the Pistols. OK, yeah. that not i mean a negativity i think that maybe wasn't totally fair to blame them but no uh it it, it, it you know like you say the the, the record companies were like no punk is nuts but, uh we can't we got to stay away from it and then the radio stations didn't want to play it and yeah. you know and then you got guys like johnny who got lumped in with that and he, he yeah you know for I'm sure you you'll agree with this. Is he he hated the word? He didn't like to be lumped. None of us thought we were punk rockers. Yeah. <laughs> what what yeah. when I was growing up, a punk was somebody that you know you didn't want to be. But that right. was just the handle that somebody put on that that stuck. You know what are you going to do? You can't you can't change that. And most people weren't. If you really look at the early CBGB days. It was a variety of music. There was yes. no one kind of music. You had the Heartbreakers, you had the Ramones, you had television, you had Everything. the Miamis, you had Mink DeVille, you mm-hmm. had uh, Tough Darts, you had then the B the B level bands like my own band, the Uncle Son and the Shirts and Star Tune and all these other bands. And there was a wide variety of music. Debbie Harry and Blondie were just like, you know. Uh, you know, nobody was punk. There was no such thing as punk. Why? Because they wore a leather jacket. They were punks. You know, the Ramones were, you know, it was just, it was, it was all original. It was just about people playing original music. Right. That's what I mean, Hilly wanted. Could, right. That, that's, that's what he did. He, you had to play originals to play the club. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what he was about. And, but, you know, to, to, Compare like Patty Smith to something like the Ramones is like two different two different things. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, totally different. And yeah. you know to, that was the beauty of the of the of the New York scene compared to the British scene. And I am fans a fan of many of the British bands, but there's a kind of sameness to that scene. For lack yeah, of a better word. But but I, you know that that I think that. It it, 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 the originality in the in the New York scene was was a hundred times more. Yeah, it was phenomenal, and I think the link or the the stream that connected all the bands is that they were anti corporate. Yes, music. 
They were there and they were given the chance. Nobody ever thought they were going to play any other place than CBGBs. Of course, everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to I'm going to make it and I'm going to get discovered and I'm going to live in a castle in some place in France and, you know, have limousines <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, which is nonsense. But it's the dream. But the reality was, I don't think anybody ever thought they were going to get further than CBGBs because there was no place else back in 1975. The city was a disaster, you know, and in one way it was great because it was wide open. You could do what you want. But on the other hand, you know, that kind of music was just people who thought they had no place in mainstream music. You weren't going to play at uh, Madison Square Garden or you know, there was no Fillmore anymore. There was no place to go. So that was our place. And, and nobody really thought they were going to get a record deal or even knew how to make a record. I think Patti Smith put out their own vinyl first and, you know, and it was hard back then. Recording time was really expensive. You know, back then it was a hundred dollars an hour. If you, you know, and that was 1975, a hundred dollars. You could live for a week on it. Right. It's like a thousand now. You know, it's crazy. Oh, it was crazy. So I think it was just became what it became. And it, and it is what it is. It, yeah. it was just a great time for the people that were there and uh, a great memory. And uh, but it sparked a revolution in music. Hey, you allowed... guys want to hear something crazy? I grew up in uh, I was born and raised in Hell's Kitchen, right? Yeah, and a lot of bands used to rehearse in Hell's Kitchen. I just remember sitting on my fire escape, and around midnight, you hear these band rent these um places. So you could just hear the music out the window, just jamming and rocking. Sure. And it was yeah, insane. Yeah. Like I would hear a live show every fucking night, and I didn't know who it was. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, I hear it on the radio. I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was a time when you there was a time when you could make noise in New York City at late at night. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's it put it like nobody that. and nobody complains. Yeah, nobody complains. True. I, I remember those days. Yes, it's true. Hey, I used to I used to sit on the fire escape, listen to great music, and watch all these hookers go from one car to another. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was, you were ten, it was you were pretty, ten years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was pretty crazy what was going on in the street, and nobody said anything. No, nothing, nothing. Uh, and the cops uh, would drive by; nobody gave a fuck. No, <laughs> it's true, Rob. I mean, if you saw if you saw some of those uh, girls on the street dressed like that or undressed like that, now you'd be like, "Oh, oh man, the world, the world went to hell." It's true. That, that is was, true. That was New York, but it was the it was the greatest energy. The greatest vibe, the greatest uh, time to be a musician. It, 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 it was, was a good time. But I still and remember plus, girls. I still remember girls getting off in um in the bus terminal. I was young. I was about twelve. I remember these girls, sixteen, seventeen, coming off the um off the buses with the guitar, coming to New York to try to make music, and then they talk to the wrong guy. A few months uh, later, yeah. you see the girls yeah. like in the corner and they're strung out, and they were beautiful yeah. girls. And the guy here, a lot of horror stories like that. It yeah. was crazy. It was insane, yeah. man. It, it, there's a lot of you know, a lot of damaged people, and again, you know, it's it crazy. was a dangerous time. It was a dangerous. Listen, I don't, I don't recommend it for now. Uh, I mean, it, it's nice being able to walk around New York without having to worry about getting killed or raped or mugged or uh, you know. 
disappeared. But, uh, you know, it, if you survived it and if you survived it in one piece, it was a great story. But it's like, you know, it's it was half tragedy and half uh, Nirvana. <laughs> well, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, an analogy for John. All right. You know, his, yes. his you know, his life had a, a, a tragic element to it that was kind of played out in front of everybody. Sure. You know, I mean, uh, you know, radio didn't play him. OK, really. No. Uh, and and but if you were living in New York or, or a fan of what was going on in New York and coming in to see these shows, uh, seeing Johnny was. Yeah, you, you could you could tell, hey, there's something up with this guy and it's not good. But at the same time, he had such a talent uh, that it it, it it was like two sides of the same coin. I don't know how to describe it exactly. Yeah, it was. It was. He yeah. was. He was. He was good, and he was bad. You know, he was. He was tragic, and he was amazing. Amazing. You know, he had it yeah. all, and he lived he it. it. Yep. And uh, yeah, you don't so, want to do what he did. Let no. me just put it like this. You don't ever want to take dope. You don't want to become a, a, a heroin addict because your life will be miserable. Oh. And most most likely you will end up well worse if you survive. I went to too many funerals and saw yeah. too many girls come to New York City and be, you know, like get you straight, said, get work, work out. The street, get strung mm-hmm. out and all that stuff. So it's a bad it's a bad drug to, to idolize. And I think that there's a there's an element to Johnny, his his whole, I guess, image or mythology, if you want to say it, that I think people kind of glorify that. And I, I always felt, you know, when I would see him live and people would, you know, throw pills and shit on the stage. OK, because I've seen that. Yeah. You know, it's like. I, I think the idea was, you know, you went there to see him die or something or see him OD or something. I'm like, no, that's not why we're here. This is, you know, it, there, there was like an element to that sometimes in, in the audience I was feeling sure. of like, you know, like some of these people are here for the wrong reasons. Yeah, that, was always the, the... that was always the Edelman in a G.G. Allen concert. Oh, shit. Don't even bring him up. People. People went there to see because the guy always said he was going to kill himself, and people were going to see that. It was insane. Yeah, yeah but Johnny was Johnny was never about that. You know? No, he it, wasn't. Not and, at all. I mean, the music spoke volumes. You know. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. He he got high because he he liked getting high. But his music, if you think you're going to do dope and become a great artist like him, you're fooling yourself. It doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't no, he, make you. He had he had that natural talent. He had it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, and and that's really what he was running away from when, not that he was running away from his past, but he he was leaving that to do something where he would be recognized for what he was—a good songwriter, a good musician, a, a great singer, you know, a really good singer. He could carry a tune, yes, and uh, most people can't carry a tunes. And that's why, if you want to go back and talk about that idea. When he 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 left New York, he went to Michigan, and there's always a side story and a drama and a this mm-hmm. and that with his life. But he he had gang war, and he came back with gang war, 
which was a first-rate, phenomenal band. You know, Wayne Kramer on guitar. Yeah, it's like a super he had, group. Uh, super group. Yeah, he, he had, uh, what's his name, the tattoo guy playing horn. Uh, uh, yeah, I forget now. Um, uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now. He's still in California. We saw him last year, yeah. two years ago in California. Bob Roberts. Roberts Bob yeah. Roberts was a great horn player. Mm -hmm. And I believe the original band had the drummer, and I don't remember their names, I'm sorry, but I think they, the original drummer and bass player from uh, Mitch Ryder's band. And that band was a crack band. That band was yep. fucking great. They could play, right? H have but, you just interrupt you for one second? You mentioned Mitch Ryder. Have you heard the new Alice Cooper record? No, no, okay. I haven't. He's got, he's got guys from the band in there. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So anyway, when they came to New York and they were playing around, mm -hmm. the audience, they didn't want to see that. They wanted to see, you know, Johnny stumbling around on stage. And Johnny was clean at the time, or at least, you know, on stage he was. And they were playing playing it straight. Well-rehearsed band. Really, really, yeah. really, really good band. But the audience wanted to see the Heartbreaks. And then and then in New York, you know, he had given up. When he would go to Europe, he, was, he had given up playing with the Heartbreakers. And he yeah. said, I, I just don't want to do that anymore. I want to play, you know, and then a lot of the audience didn't get what he was doing, you know, at the end with the, you know, Acoustic. the band. That he... Like, like I, I think yeah. like when he would come out with acoustic, you know, he'd just come out with the acoustic guitar and do a couple of songs like that. He, I think in Europe, people didn't get that. No, they Europe, they got him. But in, oh, in they New did. York, they really, they, you know, he couldn't, uh, you know. But that's, you know, what he would do when he just wanted to play in New but York. But like you said, but, uh, he, he played, did things on his terms. He know? did. He lived on his own terms. And he was going, you know, to New Orleans with a pocket full of money. He had a lot of money with him. And uh, it just, and he was going to make it there. He would have been good there. And it yeah. uh, didn't work out. Somebody robbed him. Yeah, that's a whole... Yeah. God, terrible story. Um, question: What if you could pick, like your favorite solo Johnny album? What would it be? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, <laughs> I don't really know the titles of the records because oh, I just so, listened so to alone. Music. Would you pick that one? Well, that's a phenomenal record. Yeah. That's that's a classic record. But the other, uh, you know, the the one with the. Uh, Uh, crawfish and all that. That's a Copy great cats. record. Copycats. Copycats. That's yeah. a great record. Yeah, all That's covers. That's a great band. But, but it was all covers, the album, but him and Patty Paladin were, were fantastic. It's a together. great record. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So yeah. I, I don't have a, I don't have a favorite. You know, the obvious ones are obvious, but uh, I, you know, because I just knew him too well to pick a favorite song. I got like, you. you know, got after you. a while, it's it hard to like, choose that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. But I was a fan. Don't get me wrong. I was a, I was a heartbreaker, Johnny Thunder fan. Right. Yeah. I went there to hear the music. I yeah. didn't care about the other stuff. And when, it, that's why I'm still alive. I'm, I was goody two shoes or whatever you want to say. Uh, when the stuff got too hard, I left. I didn't. That, I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't part of that. It's you a know. common sense kind of thing, you know. But, but he was my friend. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know how many other people can say that. I wasn't in his band. I was his friend. <laughs> wow. My wife was his friend. We, you know, was friends with uh, Josephine and Marianne. My mm-hmm. wife Hillary was friends with all the. We were friends, you know. I would, I would take his uh, his dog one time. I had, you know, when he couldn't keep certain things. I had his kid. We we took care of his kid for a month and a half in the house, you know. But uh, we 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 were, you know, we were friends like a few other people. There's a whole clique of people that were his friends that that are sort of under the radar. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he had his go-to people and his friends that took care of him and. Loved him for what he was, other than just the music, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, yeah. Uh, you know, he, yeah, yeah. So. so as far as this show goes, uh, yeah. Friday night, okay, it's going to be on Twitch TV. Uh, we have the whole link. We will put it up with the with the podcast when we get this up later tonight. Um, okay. What your your contribution is? Uh, is it one song or you got more than one? What do you got? I, no, I did two songs. I okay. did uh, uh, one of my favorite songs was, uh, I guess it's a favorite song. I should have said this was, uh, it's not enough. Oh, to me. Well, one of my favorites too, man. Definitely. It's, it's a great melody. Great. You know, he takes a, a simple set of words that turns into a freaking novel. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, to me, it's, it's a great, great song. The, the solo <laughs> in the middle, Joe. Yeah. Okay. Is one of my all time favorite solos by anybody. Yeah. And okay, I don't attempt to play it. <laughs> I was going to ask you, do you pull it no. off? No. <laughs> all right. So, guys, no. it's, um, it's on Twitch TV. It's, this was not Punk 77. Twitch TV, okay. this, was, this, is, this was not Punk 77. Is that it? Yep. Okay, we'll put it up on the on the link so everybody and can the, check it out. And then the other song I did is a song that I wrote about Johnny. Uh, I was in my basement rehearsing with my band, and uh, I get the phone call from Big Tony right. that he had he was gone. I go, yeah. what? He says he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And uh, oh. so a couple of days later, I had been working on this song in my head and playing around with it so i finished the words and it's that's the other song i'm going to do and i used the guitar that he wanted to trade for that i still have it and that's you know that's why i did that so that's that's the backstory behind that so all right cool cool so we're looking forward to that uh we had sonny vincent on the other day he mentioned i think he's playing a song that uh he wrote about uh, uh, John, about Johnny yeah, as well. Yeah. Sure, sure. Everybody's good. listen. Everybody knows Johnny from their point of view. That guy had a million stories, a million lives. I mean, you know, our lives are, are boring, boring, boring compared to his. The guy, the guy just had, you know, a million facets to his life, and a million stories, and a million this and that. You know, because he was who he was. <laughs> And he lived in his own way, in his own terms, and lived and died on his own terms. And and that's, that's really right. can you ask for anything more, Joe? I don't know. I mean, life is complicated enough. If you go out like that and live like that, that's not a bad thing. He, he's a winner. Absolutely. All right, Joe. So I want to thank you for coming on. And where's Joey? I don't know what, what happened? happened to Joey Pinto, but we're gonna to have to get in touch with him. Hopefully we can get him on at some point. Uh, maybe we could do a show with, without the, the Johnny Thunder things because Joey is is 
Yeah, he's, he's entertaining. He's, he's, he is a funny man. He definitely. Oh is man! <laughs> and not even that. He's he's a deep guy. That oh, yeah. guy's nope. a deep guy. <laughs> I like Joe a lot. I definitely do. So uh, okay. Joe Stabnik, I want to thank you, uh, Joe Stabnik from New York Junk, and everybody check out the um, Johnny Thunder's tribute show. It's a memorial for thirty years that he's passed this Friday night on Twitch TV. We'll put the link up. Again, Joe, thank you so much. Uh, it was an honor having you on. You have like an amazing career, and uh, thanks for sharing well, some of this. With us. Well, thank you, thank you, All thanks right. for you having have, me. All right, you have a good night now. All right, good night. Bye. Take care. Bye.